David Cassidy, Man Undercover, won't be seen tonight, so he can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Hot Hot Pursuit. Pursuit. Yeah, baby. You love that movie. <laughs> I'm going to say that most of you have probably never seen this. Look, uh, okay, we got to be square with y'all. Um, we didn't realize there was an extra week this month, yeah. so we had to pick an extra Cusack movie. And honestly, now this is something from my youth that I really dug, and I'll explain more on that later. Yeah. But it fits in. It doesn't have a lot of the magical uh, aspects of these other yeah, the kind of crazy Cusacks. Fan- fantastical reality. Know? But yeah. it does have... A pretty fantastical reality if you <laughs> go by where the movie begins to where it ends yeah. is is crazy. I mean, it's a crazy story. It has a really – and it does have a really interesting story about – I mean, I had no idea who wrote and directed it, so that was a nice surprise. Yeah. But uh, I had not seen this movie until we watched it to record this episode, and I am not a huge fan of this movie. Okay. I'm going to tell you why I like this movie as a kid. Because – this movie is every teenage boy's wish fulfillment. Sure, sure. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You fail the test, but you go with your girlfriend to a tropical island, and yeah. then she's in trouble. So you got to rescue her and her family. Sure. And then you sure. know. So it's basically every dumb young boy's fantasy yeah. of being a hero and getting the girl and ooh, getting some sexy time on a boat. If I was seventeen or eighteen, like you were when this came out then sure, I would be all about this movie. But I watched it when I was 44, and it just doesn't have the same. All I saw was the fact that it was put together by a bunch of executives. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's all I saw. The whole And movie. you didn't like John Cusack's hair, let's be honest. <laughs> that was a big roadblock for you, was his hair. He just wasn't, at this point in his career, he wasn't being very Cusack-y. And it just, you know, like he was trying something different, and I respect it, and I respect the movie, and it wasn't terrible. Oh, there's a lot of Cusack moments in this movie. Bro. There are, there are. The Cusack freakouts. It takes a while to get there, but they're there, yes. The Cusack, uh, ooh, what's yeah. going on? He's, he's, anyway, anyway, okay. So Cusack t- frustrations. It is, it is. And and we'll get to all this stuff. We'll talk about it and all this. Uh, but Hot Pursuit, have a chance to find yeah, it. Hot Pursuit! It Take yourself back to 1987. February 20th, a second Unabomber bomb explodes at a Salt Lake City computer store in the United States, injuring the owner. Yikes. Uh, do you remember all this stuff when it was happening? I don't remember any of this. Oh, yeah. I 100% remember the Unabomber. That guy was, yeah. you know, he was at the... He was always kind of in the peripheral, you know, in the right, back. Of, you know, right. you knew he was around, and every once in a while, just pop up, blow somebody's <laughs> fingers off or something. I mean, I don't mean to be no, no, yes, yeah, you know, it's right, horrifying right. for the people that were victims. But yeah. it was, you know, he was one of those boogeymen. Yeah, that we had. I mean, you had a lot of boogeymen in the seventies and eighties. I, I think that's why I didn't. I I never like paid attention to it because at that time it was like, oh, this is bad news. So I'm ten, and I'm going to ignore this. Yeah, no, it was yeah. all around. Yeah, I, I like how you used a bombing. Because this movie is a bomb, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, is that actually, your subtle I wrote that before commentary? I saw the movie, but yes. Uh, March 6th, the Brugge disaster, the roll-on, roll-off cross-channel ferry MS Herald of Free Enterprise capsizes off of the Zabrugi Harbor in Belgium. 193 people die. Nice. That's a good one. <laughs> You always got to – there's a lot of death in your openings, buddy. You're a dark opener. I'm a dark person. Here's the darkest one of all coming uh, up. April 19th, The Simpsons cartoon first appears as a series of shorts on the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, the 
the moment of history when the world was a better place. That is true. Look, I, I put all these in just so that you have a sense of where people were at. I know. On May 8th, when Hot Pursuit was released in theaters. I get it. I get it. I just am going to say that possibly a little bit of a disaster fetish. Look, this is not entirely my fault because a lot of the news from back then focused on the bad stuff. Well, because a lot of bad stuff was happening. That's true. (laughs) So Hot Pursuit was developed by Pierre David and Steve Lisberger. Uh, Steve Lisberger, the name might sound familiar. I'll get to him in a second. Pierre David is a film producer. He is a Quebecois, uh, being born hey. in Montreal. Oh, yo, I, I'm from <laughs> Quebec, you know, and we 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 have Canadian accents, and sometimes we have French accents because we speak French Canadian. I am pretty sure that uh, Pierre David had a French Canadian. Oh, I am from French Canada. Ooh, I make movies, not very good, but uh, you will watch them. Uh, Maple uh, syrup. <laughs> I, don't, do the, do the, I don't know if the Quebecois do the maple syrup. Have you thing. been to Co- no, Quebec? No. I've, I've been to Quebec. I've never been to Canada. Oh, I, it's beautiful. Uh, this was a long time ago. Yeah. There are a lot of prostitutes in, <laughs> in Montreal. And they're so oh. polite. Hey there, you. Would you like some company, maybe? <laughs> oh, please. Oh, oh, no, that's okay. If you're not into it, I get it. You, okay. You do, would you like some back bacon? It's free. <laughs> Back bacon. Okay, oh, if you change your mind, I'm here and willing. <laughs> it's only a couple of Quebecer dollars. <laughs> that's not what even what they say. <laughs> Quebecer dollars. That is a. That's what they call their money. Yeah, Quebecer dollars. Uh, Pierre David had two siblings that were heavily into French Canadian politics. Both of them serving on their essentially their parliament. Uh, one of them currently serving in the parliament. Do you know if they're conservative? They or? were not. They were liberal. Oh, nice. They were both liberal. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, very liberal. <laughs> uh, David started producing French Canadian films in 1971 at the age of 27. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. In 1979, he connected with David Cronenberg and produced The Brood. Even more impressive. Yeah. Followed by Scanners with David Cronenberg in 1981 and David Cronenberg's Videodrome in 1983. Awesome with Blondie. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he's got a, some cred. Like he, he has an eye for talent. Those are all great movies. And yeah. he hitched himself to Cronenberg, who... Yeah. You know, most people wouldn't do because he's a weirdo and his movies are weird. But I love him. They are all weird. That is correct. Uh, although after this, he did not work with David Cronenberg anymore. I think he went on to do more Hollywood stuff, which is why Pierre David was like, all right, I'm going to stay in Montreal and do my thing. Makes sense. Uh, Pierre David was credited as a production executive on Oliver Stone's Platoon. Uh, Another great movie. Most likely, this means he secured some funding by selling the international rights to foreign markets. You see executive producers listed, and a lot of that is just people that had there were heads of companies and stuff. And the reason I say this about Pierre David is because in 1987, he formed Image Organization, a conglomerate of four companies to sell foreign rights to films, which he created this company, and because of it, he has over 200 producing credits to his name, and they produced a lot of... of a lot of home, straight home to video. Sure. Steven Lisberger, if the name doesn't sound familiar, he attended Tufts University, graduating from the School of the Museum for Fine Arts in Boston. While attending Tufts University, Lisberger and five associates formed Lisberger Studios. I partied at Tufts a few times. Oh, did you? Yeah. Nice. I didn't even realize it was in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of schools in Boston. Oh, there are. Yeah. There are. It is a very college-y town. Well, it's also a big town, and it it's is. like technically in Boston, but it's kind of like outside of Boston a little bit. Oh, is it? I guess. Oh. I don't know. I mean, the most Boston-y Boston is Boston University. Right. Because that's right. right in the heart of Boston. Right. <laughs> Boston College is outside of Boston. 
Uh, and we just set the record for saying Boston the most times Boston. in less than a minute. <laughs> Their first project of note from Lisberger Studios was Cosmic Cartoon, which earned a Student Academy Award nomination in 1973. It was also featured in a nationally released anthology film, Fantastic Animation Festival, in 1977. Uh, through his company, Lisberger Studios, uh, Lisberger directed the production of commercials, title sequences, and feature segments for programs such as Make-A-Wish, a children's television program produced by ABC News, and Reebok a children's program on PBS produced by WGBH in Boston, with the final season being hosted by LaVar Burton. Never heard of either of these. Well, I mean, Make-A-Wish, obviously. I don't know if that's from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I don't think so. Probably not. One of my earliest memories was being on a local Des Moines uh, TV show. The guy had, like, a puppet, and I don't remember his name. I just remember being terrified of him. Sure, you were on a TV show and not just at an uncle's house. My brother told a joke and they tried to get me to do it, and I think I puked. <laughs> like it was bad. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> it was not good. I uh, want to see that. Do you have video? No, of it? no, I don't Little think so. Baby Adam puked. It was one of my earliest memories. I it had to have been like 1980 or 81. I mean, it was it was really early on. Wow. Yeah. It um, explains quite a bit. Fl- floppy. I think his name was Floppy. I I, I just this is all rushing back now, oh, and it's boy. very bad. Oh, yeah, your face is flush. <laughs> oh, God, oh no, he's puking. <laughs> He's puking. He's cry puking. <laughs> uh, in 1978, after moving to Venice, California, Lisberger and his business partner, Donald Kushner, conceived and produced a 90-minute animated film, Animal Olympics, for NBC's coverage of the 1980 Olympics. Now, why Lisberger might sound familiar is because they then turned their creative efforts to development of Tron for Disney. Tron! I remember Animal Olympics, by the way. It was very oh, funny. do you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, baby. Tron. Yeah. Such a not a good movie. Like, if you watch it again, it is not good. It's got Gee, some really cool effects gee, for the time. It's amazing how you're supporting my theories about Hot Pursuit. <laughs> well, Hot, I got to tell you, I think Hot Pursuit might have been more entertaining than Tron. <laughs> I, you take out all the light suits. See, but this supports, this supports my theory that I saw Tron when I was super young, and it was amazing. Well, I was pretty young, too, when I saw it, and I liked it. I liked but, Tron because I was, liked arcade it's games. It's not a good movie. <laughs> no, you watch it again, it's just like, oh, my God. That was back yeah. when... Uh, that was back when uh, Jeff Bridges wasn't quite Jeff Bridges. No, no, he hadn't quite found himself yet. Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't that cool, Jeff Bridges. No, no, no. He was just kind of hi, I'm Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh, good, I'm a troll. Well, he was doing amazing work back then. I'm, I'm, yeah, but, Starman. That yeah, look. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bridges has always been amazing. <laughs> but he I, just wasn't Jeff Bridges. Well, it's a di- look, there's different actors that have different stages in their career. Like yeah. early Jeff Bridges is amazing. You know, he's a yeah. leading man. He's uh, tough. He's doing great. Uh, experimental work, you know, yeah, he's doing yeah. stuff with Clint. He's doing, like, uh, what is that movie? Uh, Thunderbolt Lightfoot, you know? Oh, yeah. He's doing yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Starman. Starman was so good. Um, he's doing uh, uh, stuff. <laughs> no, but he was really, he was a leading man and really great. Yeah. And then as an older actor, he just became the coolest. I mean, look, Big Lebowski is sure, a big sure. reason for this. Yeah. But he's the coolest. Yeah, he's Actor. just he's just rad. Ever. He's just a rad dude. Have you seen that show? Uh, Old no, Man? no, not yet. Oh, it's pretty yet. good. Yeah, yeah. I heard I heard that it started well and it got kind of boring. Well, so, I yeah. haven't gotten to the boring part. I'm only a couple episodes oh, okay. in. So, okay. but you know, f them. This guy's 110 years old doing crazy action <laughs> stuff. It's like born grandpa. Years you know, old. it's like he guy just survived cancer he and he he's did. beating the crap out of people. Give him a break, I, you morons. Hey, one thing I really love the trope of old men beating up people is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm all about it. The yeah. Limey is one of my favorite Grand movies. Grand Torino, baby. Like, uh, yeah, Grand Torino. I mean, <laughs> it's just... It's, lawn. Especially as I get older. I just like watching old men beat up young people. Yeah, because we're old and bitter because <laughs> we're not young anymore. And we're not the hot trots. We're the oldie McOldies. And we are the oldie McOldies. It's fun being completely invisible when you go out oh, places. Yeah. No one looks... Yeah. No, it's yeah. great. I, I usually don't wear pants. And, it's how you uh, get away with stealing so much stuff. Oh, God. So much stuff. Without wearing pants. It's amazing. Yeah, it's where does tricky. he put it all? Where does he put it? I'm not telling. <laughs> so Hot Pursuit was Steve Lisberger's first writing and directing credit since making Tron. He went a full five years after Tron without uh, being able to make anything in Hollywood. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, Lisberger wrote the screenplay with Stephen W. Karabatsos. Uh, nice. Karabatsos attended Cornell Law School. While at Cornell, he wrote a spec script for the medical drama Ben Casey. Ben Casey. Do you remember Ben Casey? Oh, no. <laughs> it was, I never watched it Ben Casey. It aired on ABC from 1961 to 1966. Yes, before my time. The show was known for its opening titles, which consisted of a hand drawing the symbols, the male symbol, the female symbol, a star, a cross, and the infinity symbol on a chalkboard as cast member Sam Jaff uttered, Man, woman, birth, death, infinity. Man, woman, camera, TV. What is like that Trump yeah. thing? <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate spoon, cheese. Ah, man, woman. Yeah. yeah, he was just doing a uh, a cognitive test every opening <laughs> part of the. Uh, I do like that. That's literally the only thing that I could find about Ben Casey was the opening. It was so, very popular. I don't remember sure. who played Ben Casey. I know of it. I have. I, I you know. I'm pretty sure it was Sam Jeff. Was it? But don't quote me on All that. Right. I, I mean, I know of it. I don't think I ever saw it. I mean, maybe if it was rerun, I would watch anything that was on that television. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure, of course, of course. I was you slave to whatever's on. Sometimes <laughs> it probably was Ben Casey, and I'm like, well, I hated all that stuff when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, I'm sure. I hated, I'm sure. This, hated Ben. I hated like Perry Mason. Wait, wait, when you were like four, you didn't want to watch a medical drama? <laughs> I like medical dramas. I just thought that the uh, the I thought that the law dramas were a little bit skewed to the. <laughs> To the uh, well, that's not how I would have argued that. (laughs) Well, I was very big into law. Uh, No, but I I, like when you're home from school and you're sick. Yeah, and you're watching. You know, you got your your you got your Mayberry, you got your uh, Dick Van Dyke show, you got all these great comedies, and then they muck it all up with an hour of Perry. Friggin' Mason. Mason to bore yeah. your ass to uh, Perry Mason. I'm gonna tell you, and then all you gotta do is watch the very last minute of Perry Mason. I know. Uh, stand I up. Know. You're the one who did it. You're the you're the guilty guy, not the guy on the stand. Oh, oh, I did it. I did it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Perry Mason. Uh, please, Case closed. <laughs> please reference our murder by death episode that literally makes fun of just that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, producer Jack Laird purchased the script for use uh, from uh, Stephen W. Karabatsos, and when he moved on to the college-based drama Channing, starring Yvonne Craig, Kierdelea, Leslie Nielsen, and Suzanne Plachette, nice. he hired Karabatsos to ensure that the scripts remained college-oriented. Uh, I think Yvonne Craig was the only lead there. I think Kierdelea, Leslie Nielsen, and Suzanne Plachette were all just kind of supporting characters. I don't know how much they were in it. Okay. Okay. Um, there was actually somebody else who I'd never heard of that was a lead, and so I didn't put them in. Oh, well, I, poor person. Yeah. Is, that person's big shot is just ignored. <laughs> uh, at the time, Karabatsos was 25 and long out of college by this point. So Karabatsos described himself as... Technical advisor in charge of rah-rah. And corresponded with his younger brother then at college, as well as visiting colleges in the Los Angeles area in order to keep up with current trends. <laughs> Yeah, let's find out what the kids are into. <laughs> hey there, college-age student. Ooh, you got some Swatch watches? Is that what you're into? That and pegging your jeans and wearing Reebok high tops with 
I don't. I, this was all before. This was like 1966. Oh, hey, <laughs> kids into smoking cigarettes. <laughs> you wrap that coke that cigarette up in your your arm, huh? Mm, yeah. Kirabontos would write a bunch of episodes for Peyton Place and one episode of The Fugitive. Nice. You know, I don't want to spoiler, but a man with one arm was, was the one the killer? who did it. He was the killer. Well, Kirabontos was hired as story editor for the original Star Trek series. To welcome him to the production team, the show's creator Gene Roddenberry decided to prank him. When Kiribatsos arrived for his first day, Roddenberry had arranged for a weather balloon to be inflated inside his office, preventing him from opening the door and getting inside. The joke was only revealed after Kiribatsos struggled with the door for quite a while. <laughs> you get it? We put, an air, we put a, a weather balloon in your office. Isn't that 19, funny? It was 1966. <laughs> I don't find this funny at all. <laughs> that is exactly how Stephen W. Kiribatsos, at the age of 26, he I said it just like... find this to be quite annoying. Uh, well, Please remove this weather balloon from my office. Toot sweet. Apparently, every uh, writer uh, on the show did not like him as well and found him annoying because he would be fired 12 episodes later. Probably never got over that prank. Uh, he apparently liked to heavily rewrite everything on the show, oh. and the writers uh, were a little pissed off about it. Yeah, that, especially somebody who's not a great writer. I don't know if he's a good writer or a bad writer, but even if he's a good writer, that kind of crap. Don't fly. No, no. And especially with like, people like Harlan Ellison, who is an amazing writer, and he was just like, look, man, I'm at the height of my, my game right now. What are you doing? Uh, he would go on to write some episodes of Kojak. Kojak, and- baby. <laughs> yeah, Telly Savalas. That's why I included it. Yeah, my first, uh, <laughs> the first celebrity I ever met. And he was the greatest. He was nice. His necklace yeah. said Telepop. Telepop. Uh, Karabatsos wrote the 1980 Disney movie The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, starring Elliot Gould, Genevieve Bujold, and Ricky Schroeder. Hmm. We're going to get on the Ark. Oh, my goodness. We're going to build an Ark on a plane. (laughs) It featured a full-scale Boeing B-29 Super Fortress bomber as the Ark, which they literally used as a boat with a giant sail on it. And I've never seen this movie, but I read about it, and it looks weird as hell. It's the movie that radicalized Rick Schroeder. That's what. That's the most wow. uh, claim to fame. He hid it for quite a long time. He tried to fit in. And it, he, well, it, it was a seed that grew slowly but sprouted big. <laughs> Unhappy with how the script for Hot Pursuit was progressing, Pierre David brought in Tom Mankiewicz to help produce and do an uncredited rewrite of the script. Uh, Mankiewicz is the son of Joseph Mankiewicz. I think it's Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz? I think yeah, you're right. Yeah. I just keep saying Manky. Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz. Uh, I think you're right. Mankiewicz. Tomato, tomato. <clears throat> He's the son of Joseph Mankiewicz, a writer and director who won both the Academy Award for Best Director and the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay in consecutive years for A Letter to Three Wives in 1949 and All About Eve in 1950. And I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure that's never been uh, duplicated since. Yeah, well, big <clears throat> shoes to fill. Kids should have got into construction. Uh, <laughs> he was also the nephew of Herman Mankiewicz, who, with Orson Welles, wrote and won the Academy Award for Best Screenplay for Citizen Kane in 1941. It's a sled. <laughs> uh, which I believe, th- I haven't seen it yet, but Rose the movie Mank is about yeah. Herman Mankiewicz. It's good. It's actually, it's, it is good. And it is about him writing that movie. Right. Um, he was, yeah, it's a great movie. It's, 
it was, I don't know, people probably didn't like it, whatever, but I really enjoyed it. It's, it was, a, it's a David Fincher yeah. movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen it yet. I, need oh, to it's, watch it's, yeah. uh, I think it's on Netflix. I think it's a Netflix yeah, yeah, movie, yeah. but I really enjoyed it. I love all those old-time Hollywood movies about old-time yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Babylon. Oh, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be interesting, yeah. Uh, Mankiewicz would do rewrites on the Bond film Diamonds Are Forever in 1971. Diamonds this was, Are Forever. This is Tom, the son, not not the guy who did Citizen Kane. Right. <laughs> uh, but yes, he did rewrites on Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. And uh, this began a long relationship with the Bond films. Mankiewicz received sole writing credit on the next, Live and Let Die in 1973. Live and Let Die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he shared credit on The Man with the Golden Gun in 1974. Don't know that one. Yeah, time. I was the waiting for that. The Man with the Golden <laughs> Gun. Uh, he did an uncredited rewrite on The Spy Who Loved Me in 1977 and helped Broccoli and director Lewis Gilbert get Moonraker off the ground in 1979. I think The Spy Broccoli. Who Loved Me might be my favorite one. Isn't that one? The Spy Who Loved the Me? Spy who loves the Spy Who Loves Me. I think so. I love that song so much. They had actually hired him on Diamonds Forever for Diamonds Are Forever because they were trying to get Connery to come back, and they thought because the Mankiewicz name would convince him to be like, it's going to be a great script. And he said, I actually don't give a shit. (laughs) That is an exact quote. Uh, In 1975, Tom Mankiewicz wrote the screenplay for Mother Jugs and Speed, a dark comedy about ambulance drivers starring Bill Cosby, Raquel Welch, and Harvey Keitel. Great movie. I have to say, such a weird movie. I think think Cosby was mother. Oh, yeah. He was either mother or speed, but I think he was mother. Yeah. I think we all know who Jugs was. Yeah. Harvey Keitel. And uh, Speed was... <laughs> he just likes to carry jugs of milk. No, it was this weird, weird movie about these ambulance drivers. Right. It, it was... It's, an, it's definitely something to see because it's very yeah. interesting. You got good performances by Harvey Keitel. And look, Bill Cosby is a monster. He's yeah. an absolute horrific monster. Right. But I, I before you were say monster of talent, but, <laughs> but, but before I knew he was a monster, he yeah. was one of my favorite actors of all time. Look, he's a monster doesn't mean he's not a talented man. Yeah, I've never seen it. I have heard of it because of the title. How can you not? But uh, I, I've never seen it, and I do need to watch it. Uh, Mankiewicz actually co-produced the film with director Peter Yates, who later asked Mankiewicz to come to the British Virgin Islands to do a major rewrite on Yates' next film, The Deep, with Robert Shaw and Jacqueline Bissett. Uh, from yeah. the guy who did the Jaws, whose name is escaping me. Peter Benchley. Peter Benchley, thank you. It's uh, it. They marketed it as like a Jaws ripoff. Yeah. The reason why I really love that movie, Nick Nolte's in it. And uh, when yeah. Nick Nolte goes diving, he doesn't wear a wetsuit. He just wears his normal clothes. He just, <laughs> his jeans and his shirt just puts his what? diving equipment over his regular clothes. Weird. And just goes diving How down in the deep. Weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's pretty boring, but it's, uh, I just, that, Struck me as so cool yeah. when I was a kid. I just like, oh, he doesn't need no wetsuit. Weird. Uh, so the the movie apparently, despite it being boring or, or, or the marketing was good, it was a huge box office success and cemented Mankiewicz's reputation as a script doctor. Yeah, it was a huge success because of Jaws. Yes. Yes. Let's be honest. It made money because they marketed it to look like Jaws. And yeah, Jaws and Jacqueline Bissett in a in a skin tight white shirt. Yeah. You know, all wet. Hey, what's that about TNA? <laughs> She's gorgeous. <laughs> Production value. Yeah, everybody <laughs> loved Jackie B back in the day. Of course, of course. I still love Jackie. Uh, Mankiewicz provided script notes during a season of Columbo at Peter Falk's request, while not I, actually writing any scripts. Uh, excuse me. Uh, 
Can you help out with this crap, Sean? It is – this is literally the thing as a writer that I would want. They, they, Peter Falk said, hey, we need to get him on. And he literally just said, give me ideas. Yeah. And then everyone else wrote it. And for an entire month, month for an entire year, Tom Mankiewicz got paid to literally just give ideas once a week. Oh, I love that. I mean, I, script doctoring is the best thing in the yeah. world. It's so easy to improve on other people's work, <laughs> especially true. some people's work. Yeah. You know, that's always well, been a yeah, dream. Like, yeah. you sell a screenplay, and then you can be a script doctor. Because you can, if you're a good script doctor, you can make a quarter of a million dollars for yeah. two months, for like a three weeks' work. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. You never get any credit. No, but you know who was one of the best script doctors in the biz? Who? Carrie Fisher. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was I did. a I, yeah, master. I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mankiewicz did uh, Mankiewicz. God, I keep saying it. Mankiewicz did script doctoring for a series of movies: Superman the movie and Superman Two. Uh, he did some rewrites on Gremlins. He did rewrites on The Goonies. Uh, he did rewrites on War Games, and then finally on Lady Hawk. Should have done a few more rewrites on Lady Hawk. <clears throat> no, actually, Lady Hawk's a good movie. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, it's fine. I love Rucker Howard. It, it, oh, yeah. and I'm Matthew Broderick, and I've got to be, oh, hey, she's a, she turns into a hawk, and he turns into a dog. Oh, I need to the favorite times. I gotta, oh, I gotta pass messages. Oh, boy, Biloxi Blues. <laughs> he often is quoted as just ending his sentence. He does. Biloxi Blues. That's, they had to cut it out of the movies, because he just he does just it like Rain Man. It. It's, it's like, weird. Wow. It's like, oh, boy, oh, Ferris Bueller. And they finally had a, a script they liked. Pierre they all doctored up. They all doctored up. Pierre David and uh, Steven Lisberger started to go to casting. They end up casting John Cusack as Dan Bartlett, the lead character. Uh, we forgot a John Cusack movie, uh, not super recently, but recently enough, that is part of his whole crazy Cusacks, Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is a great movie. Yeah. And uh, it was so sad that he didn't show up for the sequel. But Hot Tub Time yeah. Machine was so much fun. It was. It was a great movie. And it was it was totally making fun of these movies that oh, yeah. he was in. Yes. Like, it was great, great. Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. But yes. It, yes. That was the beauty of it is because it was basically yeah. him revisiting his crazy Cusack youth. I have a feeling we'll be talking about Hot Tub Time Machine when we do One Crazy Summer. Oh, mm. <laughs> that's, that's a threat or a promise. <laughs> that's a, that's both. Yeah, okay. They actually originally considered Anthony Michael Hall for the lead role in Hot Pursuit. Yeah, Anthony Michael Hall was another guy who was sick of playing the skinny nerd yeah. and was looking for for a change and looking to become the leading man. And then he bulked up and did Johnny Be Good, where yeah. he played a football yeah. guy and ruined his career. Uh, I had a fun night at the Whaler in Venice, hanging out with Anthony Michael Hall. We drank all night together. Really? Uh, he ended up going home with a friend of mine, nice. and they ended up dating for like four months. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But uh, we we literally just hung out and drank for nice. uh, like five hours. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, he came into the shop a few times uh, back when I worked at that Photoshop. Yeah. And he was a really great guy. He just he looks so old. Like, he's yeah. my age. Yeah. He has aged not gracefully. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, look, he's... You yeah. know what's really funny? I love Anthony Michael Hall, by the way. And he has yeah. had a great career. He did the uh, he did that Stephen King series. What's really funny is there's another actor whose name I do not know who looks exactly like him. Oh, and really? he shows up on – he's more of a TV guy. Oh, yeah. And he shows up on everything. And I'm always like, is that him? Nope. Is that him? Nope. And it's like, nope, it's not. It's the other guy whose name I should probably know because he seems to show up. He kind of stole Anthony Michael Hall's career. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard when you're that young and you shine that brightly – 
for people to then accept you doing anything else. Well, also, and being that young and just being the world's biggest nerd, yeah. you know, that's not a moniker a young man wants. No, that doesn't no, get no, you no. the ladies or the men or whatever you're <laughs> after. You know, you want to expand your career. You want to be the leading man, sure, especially as a young man. I think this is the same kind of thing that Cusack was exactly, going through. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I do believe that because Cusack had just come off One Crazy Summer, the Savage Steve Holland movie, be talking about next week, which he was sore how Holland portrayed him in Better Off Dead. Uh, it seems like he really wanted to do a Tom Cruise risky business type leading role. Yeah. Like he was searching for this when he got asked to do it. He said, sure. You know, he said, hey, it's a sure thing. Plus, uh, <laughs> plus it was from, you know, Lisberger and he people loved Tron back then. Like it wasn't it was gaining cult status. And Look, like, reading the script is a, like I said, it's it's a love story to horny teenage boys yeah you know yeah. it's a wish fulfillment and and him reading the script and being like oh wow i get to be on a boat and i get to grab a machine gun and Plus i get to they shot in jamaica and i get like, to go to jamaica and i get yeah. to do all these stunts and stuff and yeah. you know it's yeah, like yeah it's a, it's a very alluring script yeah, it makes sure. him look like a badass badass exactly uh they cast robert loja as mac mclaren robert loja <laughs> one of my favorite family guy running jokes is i'm robert loja <laughs> Ah, is it Robert Loja? O, is it? Oh boy, that's Robert Loja. <laughs> B, is it? Baby, look at Robert Loja. <laughs> it's just because he's got such a distinctive voice. I've yeah. loved Robert Loja since the moment I saw him on screen. He's just got this thing about him that is so yeah. captivating. Yeah. Whether he's playing a Cuban <laughs> in Scarface <laughs> or whether he's playing a gruff weirdo captain in this movie yeah. Which or whatever he, it is. He is the most unloja like in this movie that I've ever seen him. He's gruffly charming yeah. and weird. It's just yeah. a weird performance. He's a weird little man in this that you can't help but love. Well, yeah. I mean, the whole movie's weird, but uh, yes. <laughs> he's he, Yeah. I loved him in this. I thought he was fantastic. He started acting in the mid-50s in TV and film. Uh, he was never pigeonholed by types. He just honestly seemed like he loved acting and would take any part that sounded interesting. Uh, previously to Hot Pursuit, he did Psycho 2 and Scarface in 1983. You're a psycho! He was great in that movie. And for the first time, I just watched that recently, and his death scene literally made me gasp out loud. Like, I was so shocked by it. Oh, <laughs> I, I was like, watch that wow. again. It's been a while. Uh, it's, it's Scarface is fantastic. Um, obviously, two very different parts. Yes. 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 And one he's playing <laughs> a Cuban. And the other, he's a psychiatrist. And the other, yeah. Refugee. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse Nobody me. more Cuban than him, except for maybe... Al Pacino. <laughs> uh, in 1985, he did Prizzy's Honor and Jagged Edge. He was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Jagged Edge. Both great movies. Yeah. Both great movies. Prizzy's Honor is uh, so much fun to watch Angelica Houston and oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson yeah. and Robert Loja. <laughs> it's just so much fun. And Jagged Edge is a great thriller. Yeah. It was like yeah. that, that was during that time of like, it was just. An, an embarrassment of riches for thrillers. You had like the jagged edge, and you had uh, uh, what's that Glenn Close one? Uh, uh, Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction, yeah. and you had uh, Presumed Innocent with Harrison yeah. Ford. Oh yeah, yeah it was just yeah. all these great adult thrillers. Yeah, that were yeah. just grown up movies. Really, really yeah. fun stuff. Yeah, totally. It was a good. It was a good time for that. Uh, Armed and Dangerous, and That's Life in 1986. That's life. Uh, t- Armed and Dangerous with John Candy, and uh, That's Life had uh, 
I don't remember now. I remember the title. I don't remember the movie. Uh, yeah, it it just it was not. Again, though, very different roles he was playing. Armand uh, Dangerous was not very good. No, it was not a good movie. The Hollywood did not do justice by John Candy. No, no, they did not. They, I mean, a bit they did, but man, I mean, he he had a great career, but just when, when he, he was starting to get going, he yeah, died. Just yeah. when he was, oh man, his part in his, JFK is just. Dripping with awesomeness. His second act would have been incredible. Yeah, it would have been all these great drama yeah. movies. He just would have, ugh. He would have just been so sad. He was such a talent. Yeah. Uh, Robert Lucia actually had four other movies released in 1987. I had four movies. Five, well, five, technically. With five. 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 Robert Lucia. Five movies. Grit your teeth. <laughs> uh, over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. You can take my kid in my truck. If you're gonna go, we're gonna home wrestle. A home wrestle across the country, make money from a kid. Such an absolutely ridiculous movie, but it's it was, over the top. It was directed by Manahem Golan of the Cannon Group. Yeah, uh, well, it, did he ever direct anything again? Um, I'm per- I, happily, <laughs> he directed everything <laughs> terribly and loved it, and they all made money. Uh, over the top. The Believers with Martin Sheen and Helen Shaver. That was good. That was weird, man. That's about yeah. a cult. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Dude. I've never seen it. I want to see it. Oh, it's good. I, I think it looks interesting. Uh, Gabby, A True Story with Rachel Chagall. It was about a, a, a Hispanic woman, and I, I, I don't know anything about this movie. <laughs> Gabby. 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 Uh, and an uncredited role in Amazon Women on the Moon. In 1987, so that was a fun movie too. That yeah. was it wasn't as good as Kentucky Fried Movie, but it was yeah. by the same guys, I believe. No, it wasn't. No, I believe Amazon Women on the Moon was not the no because I would have seen it then, and I've never seen it. You've never seen Amazon no. Women? There's no. some there's some good bits in there. The, the best bit, the one that I remember the most, is and <laughs> Begley Jr. It was a it was a black and white. It was the Invisible Man. Yeah. And so Ed Begley Jr. thinks he's the invisible man. They shot it like impeccably like the he takes off all his clothes. He's not invisible. <laughs> he's just a crazy guy running around naked who thinks he's he's like, ooh, That's I'm invisible. Amazing. You can't see me. Ooh, ooh. And he's like doing weird nice. stuff in front nice. of people's face. And you're just like, why's this naked guy in front of me being weird? It was great. It was really funny. It's I, a funny I, movie. I'll have to check it out because I love that type of movie, and it's one of those I know I should have seen already. Yeah. But no, I you'll dig it. Yeah. There's, the yeah. Amazon Woman on the Moon part is great, too, because it's just it's a great 50s takeoff of those yeah. awful sci-fi. Bad B movies. You know. yeah. Hey, Skipper, what are you going to do with these Amazon Women on the Moon? <laughs> we better get the machine guns. Oh, there's a monkey with us. Oh, come on, monkey. <laughs> There's always a monkey in those movies. I think there was a monkey in there. Probably. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Robert Lucia went on to do a billion and a half things. He was in everything. Uh, unfortunately, he passed from Alzheimer's in 2015. Wow. Yeah. He was awesome. He was great. Though. That was a sad, sad <clears throat> day. You will never see anything bad from Robert Lucia. He makes everything he's in better. Yeah. Even if the movie is POC. Yep. He is prime beef, baby. He is he is amazing. He's Robert Lucia. so well. He did a great job in Hot Pursuits. He must be exhausted after. It's like his whole body is. It's always tense. tense, tense. tense. Uh, Wendy Gazelle as Laurie Cronenberg. Uh, this was Gazelle's first feature film credit. Uh, she was the girlfriend he was chasing after. She was the one he was pursuing. Uh, she appeared in the on-screen fictional soap opera in Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins in 1985. Nice. Yeah, it's a great movie. She also appeared in an episode of The Cosby Show in 1987. Uh, Gazelle has steadily worked in TV since then. She can currently be seen in NCIS Los Angeles. She's great in that. There's something else she was in in the 80s that was big that I can't remember. But I remember I her yeah. from something else. But she was really fun. She was way too good for John Cusack's character. <laughs> yes. 
So much. Yes, yeah, so much. But so. it's like I love how, and it doesn't does it ever really pay off because they have her her introduction to the movie is. Uh, John Cusack is a high school prep school student. Yes. He's uh, at his private school studying for his chemistry exam, I believe. Yes. yes. And he, ooh, he's got to pass it because if he's he doesn't got, pass it, he's got to do the summer to go school. on screen break. Yeah. And uh, he's got to stay, take a makeup test or whatever. Right. And uh, so intercut with him studying is this ninja <laughs> making their way through yeah. the campus, ninja style. Yeah. And they ninja up, ninja through the window. And it's his lady. And she's like, hey, come on. Let's go give some kissy kissy. He's like, I got to study. And she's like, well, you jerk. And it's like, whoa. I mean, you're going away yeah. with him tomorrow. He's yeah. got to pass the test. Why are you being a jerk like, about you it? You can literally, you're going to be in Jamaica. You can just disappear for three days with him and do whatever you want. Yes. But they needed a, a conceit to have. But <laughs> the ninja skills did pay off because she had to climb to the top of that building at the end yes to do something yes that's I, how it did yeah because she does a lot of she's a gymnast yeah that's that's yeah. her thing yeah but she was great in this she was great oh adorable great uh, actor i remember her fondly from the 80s I, I remember her from a bunch of stuff i just can't yeah put my yeah finger she's, on what it was but she was great in this movie yeah uh jerry stiller got cast as victor honeywell uh the the pirate <laughs> Well, there's another guy with a voice. <laughs> God, between him and Moja, could you imagine having <laughs> dinner with the two of them? <laughs> It'd be uh, like a gravel pit. <laughs> Just climbing out of the gravel. Stiller got to start as part of the comedy duo of Stiller and Mira with his wife, Ann Mira. Uh, he's most well known for playing George Costanza's father in the TV show Seinfeld. Yes, uh, coming to, up with Festivus. To modern audiences, I should say. He's known as... A as, holiday for the rest of us. Yeah, Festivus. Uh, he and his wife are also... Uh, they played husband and wife on the Paul Lynch show. Oh, that's right. That's right. They did. I, uh, Adam wrote a <laughs> play, a, a small play, yeah. that, we, that I uh, ended up playing Paul Lind in. And so I had to spend a lot of time doing my Paul Lind research. And I saw them, and they were the funniest effing couple oh, yeah. Yeah. ever. Them and uh, uh, Elaine May and... Um, What's his name? He directed everything. Nichols. Nichols, uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Nichols. Nichols. Yes. Mike Nichols and Elaine May. They're another great. They and uh, Mira and I was going to say Costanza. Stiller. Uh, Stiller. They were the two best yeah. husband and wife teams. Um, yeah. Uh, Burns and Burns Alan. and Gracie. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, but but Burns and fantastic. Gracie was a very like. They were. It was a different kind of. Yeah. yeah. But, but Mira and. And uh, Stiller, <laughs> Stiller and Mira were very contemporary for yes. the time. They yes. were this, you know, bickering. You would right. think that they hated each other the way that they played off each other all the time, but they they loved each other. You know, it was just like such a great marriage, such a great yeah. team. I, it, that's the only way I would ever get married. I think is if I married my comedy partner, <laughs> and then we used well, you, it yeah. as our as our uh, as fuel for our. Or act. Your act. 
Yeah. Uh, Stillward going to play a recurring part in The King of Queens, uh, which I think he got nominated for an Emmy for that. For Probably. He um, was the father-in-law. Yeah, yeah. Then he did a lot of yelling. He did. It, it was a very similar character <laughs> to Seinfeld. Uh, he has appeared in a number of movies with his son, Ben. This was the first time they'd acted together. Nice. Uh, and they acted together quite a bit, actually. They were in like half a dozen movies together. Well, wouldn't you do it? I mean, if I liked my dad, yeah. I would be in every movie with him. Pretty much everything Ben Stiller did. Not everything, but a lot of stuff he did. He would just be like, yeah, come come do this thing. Of course. And his mom, too. He should yeah, show up and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Jerry Stiller passed in May of 2020 from natural causes. Yeah, so sad. He Both Mira. And, he, yeah. and, and Ann Mira didn't die that long ago. It was just no, a few years no, ago. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It's got to yeah. be tough, man. I I can't imagine being with somebody for like 40 or 50 years and then them dying. And like what a insane yeah. change that would be. Just like the I, emptiness. I, 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 I say this story a lot, uh, but my great, my great grandmother was with her husband for 45 years and he died when she was like 63. And then she lived to be like 104. Good Lord. And so she was literally without him as long as she was with him. Like, it just blew my mind yeah. when I realized that when I was young. I was like, oh, my God. Like, Did you ever get remarried? No. Ben Stiller was cast as Chris Honeywell, the son of Victor Honeywell. Uh, this was his feature film debut. Uh, this is also the only movie that Stiller and Cusack have ever appeared together in. Huh. Which is interesting, because they were kind of all part of that frat pack kind of thing. And I don't... Stiller was... Kind of... Uh, yeah. Cusack was always on the out. Yeah, on the was, edge He was. That. He was like, kind of... Yeah. And any time he, he... Cusack's a weirdo, and I love him to death, but, like, any time he would do something mainstream, like, when he did uh, uh, Con Air, he's like, oh, yeah. I'll do it, yeah. but my character has to wear sandals. <laughs> Yeah. Like, okay, I weirdo. We'll put sandals <laughs> on your dumb character. If that, and I'll, I'll do this big budget movie, but I gotta have some quirky right. request right. to make to give me cred. And I love John Cusack, but come on, man, sandals. Yeah. 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 Uh, when he was approximately fifteen, Ben Stiller obtained a small part with one line on the television soap opera Guiding Light. That line was what? Uh, he he has come out saying that he was awful on the show. <laughs> Well, he was 15. Give him a break. 15. He was later cast uh, in the role in a role on the 1986 Broadway revival of John Guar's The House of Blue Leaves alongside John Mahoney. Ooh. The production would garner four Tony Awards. John Mahoney worked with John Cusack on uh, Say Anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to, I'm not going too deep into Ben Stiller because I know that at some point in the future we're going to be doing a Ben Stiller movie. So I want to talk more about him there. The House of Blue Leaves with John Mahoney was the beginning of of what became the Ben Stiller show. Oh, it's, really? It sounds weird, but he was doing a bunch of, like, he did a mockumentary thing with John Mahoney oh, nice. uh, called, uh, based off of The Color of Money. Um, about, oh, yeah. it was about bowling, and, then like, and that got him on SNL, which then got him on to MTV. Right. And then, and and then, then he, he did yeah. his own Color of Money parody on that. Yes. He liked to play... Uh, uh, yeah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Since Hot Pursuit, his films have grossed more than $2.6 billion in Canada and the United States with an average of $79 million per film. Well, that's not too bad, eh? Uh, the Canadians love Ben Stiller. Yeah, he's, gonna, he's a funny guy. He's a funny fella. Uh, he's gone on to uh, directing, uh, and I don't, does, I don't know if he writes Severance or not. I don't know if he does. Uh, but he just won an Emmy literally just a couple days ago for Outstanding Drama Series and Outstanding Directing in a Drama Series for Severance. Did he win any Emmys for uh, Escape from Denimora? I don't know. He should have. I should have. I want to say I know he was nominated for stuff, oh, so but good. I don't remember if It he was did. so effing good. 
I, I still need, I need to watch that still. That guy, Ben Stiller makes me angry because he has had, like, the greatest career. He got to do sketch. He got to do yeah. Uh, yeah. his own, you know, Saturday Night Live type of show, his own parody yeah. show. Yeah. And he got to do all these great comedies and work with all these great people. And now he's an amazing filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he was in some of the hugest comedies of all time. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Like, I mean, Meet the Parents. Meet and, the Parents. And, uh, dodgeball. And, and you uh, know, the, the model one. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> the Blue Steel. The supermodel yeah. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that guy. He, he's had an amazing career. He's just, nobody does... Oh, something about Mary. Let's not forget that. Oh, yeah. That pretty yeah. much launched him yeah. into, into those the comedies. comedies. Yeah. 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 But just so good at playing hapless. So good yeah. at playing like a nice yeah. guy who just gets assed on all the time. Like nobody right. takes right. S better than oh, yeah. Ben Stiller. Yeah. He's just a master at it. He's a master at comedy. And that type – because comedy is precision, man. Yeah. And it's timing. Yeah. And it's not easy. Comedy is so much harder than drama. Drama is just crying and being whatever. Drama is easy right. as F. Right. Comedy is hard. And I think his master of comedy is what makes him such a good director because yeah. he it's all the little details. He knows, yes. he knows the beats. Exactly. And he, knows, he knows when stuff is good and works and – yeah. Now it's surprising that he had such a great career when his first film role was such a gross. He was the total opposite of everything you just said. Ugh. He was so disgusting. I literally had to turn to Jim after his first line and be like, "How did this man have a career?" Yeah. Now, granted, he played the part very oh, well. Oh my god! Yeah, he, very well. He's probably the best in the show. The skeeziest, grossest character oh, I've ever so seen. So gross. He's so rapey in this movie. It oh. is so disgusting. He. Really nailed that part. <laughs> you know when an actor nails a part so well that you get the skeeves from yeah, him. Yeah, I had ooh, the skeeves from him ooh. for a long time after because that was the first thing I saw yeah, him in. Yeah, and I was like, "Who's Skeevy McSkeever?" And uh, <laughs> Skeevy McSkeever. And I was like, "Oh, that's the kid from The Guiding Light, the one that said, that hey, one where's my baseball?'" <laughs> Monty Markham was cast as Bill Cronenberg, uh, the father of the girlfriend. What uh, a great name, Monty Markham. I'm surprised he wasn't. A game show host. I, he sounds like a, a Monty host. With your host, yeah. Monty Markham. Yeah. Welcome, um, everybody. And over. welcome to Tidbits. Uh, he had the title role on Jim's favorite show, The New Perry Mason, in 1973. Well, that's a new Perry Mason. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the Which was Perry. worse. Uh, Monty Markham also had the role of the racing car driver turned cyborg Barney Miller in the second season episode of The Six Million Dollar Man, entitled... The Seven Million Dollar Man, oh, which baby. first aired in November of 1974. Do you remember this? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that show so much. And uh, it's weird that uh, Barney Miller, the cyborg, went on to run a precinct in, <laughs> in New York. But, or uh, this is what happened to Barney Miller. <laughs> they had so many weird <laughs> cyborgs, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, Andre the Giant played Bigfoot. Really? And Bigfoot ended up being a cyborg. It was like Weird. so you got to watch the show, man. I know. We're, we're going to do an episode oh, on it eventually. I just want to watch the whole show first. It'll come. It'll be sometime in 2023. We'll tease it now. That's what the bionic sound like. Right. That was I him do, picking up something. I feel like I watched the, the pilot episode at one point during the lockdown. I feel, I feel like I watched it. Monty Markham also had a role in Airport 77. 
Uh, please check out our disaster movies episode. Yeah. It's a great episode. <laughs> okay. It is. <laughs> it is pretty good. It is. Uh, he's worked steadily in TV and B-movies over the course of his career, making appearances on... The Fall Guy, Fantasy Island, Heart to Heart, The Love Boat, and Simon and Simon, and Murder, She Wrote. I don't know why I said and twice, but he played... Uh, Four different characters on Murder, yeah, She Wrote. he appeared on Murder, She Wrote four times, playing four different characters. Yeah, I mean, that's the Law & Order thing. Like, uh, Yeah. If you ever binge-watch Law & Order, you'll <laughs> see like the same actor play eight different characters and end up being a series yeah. regular as a cop. Yeah. He goes from pedophile to rapist to victim to cop. That's the, the same issue I had with The Love Boat. Yeah. Watching The Love Boat. Eventually, you're like, man, I love this character. He's not. He's somebody else. Right. Because you're watching it. it like, they'd come back like three seasons yeah, later and yeah. you'd forget. It's not like, you know, people <laughs> binge watch that stuff. Right. Right. Uh, Monty Markham is still making movies at the age of 87 with his last film credits in 2020. Nice. Yeah. 87. Good Lord. Yeah. He's still out there working hard. Uh, Shelly Fabre as Buffy Cronenberg. Buffer. Buffer. Uh, that was the mother. Uh, she is best known for her television roles as Mary Stone on the sitcom The Donna Reed Show from 1958 to 1963. Oh, yes. A sitcom. A sitcom, yes. In 1962, her recording of Johnny Angel reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Johnny Angel. I don't know how that one goes. It was that was close. Really? That was real close. Yeah. They all sounded um, like that. Everything back then. Yeah. It was just Johnny Angel. Johnny Angel. Yeah. Sorry, I keep singing. I don't know why I do that. You're good. That's uh, why. She, you, you hit the soprano well, man. <laughs> she appeared in a couple of Elvis movies: Girl Happy in 1965 and Spin Out in 1966. Oh, I'm spinning out, baby. Uh, oh, spin out. <laughs> I think he was a race car driver, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, I doubt he was like an ad executive <laughs> who was or, having a breakdown. Or he was a heroin addict. Uh, I'm spinning out. <laughs> oh, give me some horse. Uh, Fabray said she went through a period where she struggled to find work. I went to bed on Tuesday, having worked since I was three. I got up on Wednesday morning and didn't work for four years. Went to bed Wednesday night, four years, got up and interviewed for a Mannix episode and started working again. I think this business is very cyclical. You go through busy times and you go through dead times. She, after that Mannix episode, literally was working nonstop and and did, uh, still does. Yeah, uh, she's amazing. Yeah. I loved her in Coach. Yeah, she uh, played Christine Armstrong on Coach from 89 to 97, oh, and she won show. two Primetime Emmy Awards. Oh, she she got nominated twice, Primetime Emmy Awards. But Coach was a fan. That was a show that I, one of the first sitcoms I remember, like, loving. Yeah, and it had one of my favorites. It had Jerry Van Dyke. Jerry Van Dyke was The great. underrated Van Dyke brother, who so, is so funny. So funny. And Craig T. Nelson, man, I... Ever since I saw, I don't know what the first thing I saw him in, but I loved him. He is just yeah. such a great actor. He's got like a Harrison Ford quality to him. Yeah. And he's just like, my favorite role of his, I think, is probably Poltergeist. Yeah. Because he's yeah. the coolest dad in the world. Yeah. Smoking dope and, you know, <laughs> helping his kids. He's just so cool. And Coach was such a great show. And he Coach was, was fantastic. And he was amazing on Parenthood, too, yeah, which was yeah. a really good show. Like, I, I came to that late and started watching that. But, man, as the patriarch of the family, he still has it. Oh, he's great. He's, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic actor. Dave Shodan is Ginger Cronenberg. Dave made her acting debut in Emerald Point NAS in 1984, also starring Robert Loja. Uh, yeah, he was actually on that for the entire season. He was in like 26 episodes. Nice. Uh, it was just something Robert Loja did in between movies. <laughs> uh, Robert Loja showed up. Let's put him in. Uh, she also appeared in the Uncle Buck TV show in 1990. I remember that. I don't remember that at all. I think it was David Roebuck. 
Oh, God. Or Daniel Roebuck? <laughs> Daniel Roebuck. No, I don't know if it was I him. I, but it was somebody that was like a cheap... A John Candy knockoff. Knockoff, yeah. 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 Uh, she stopped acting in 99. She doesn't have any credits after that, so I don't know what Dave Chodan is doing right now. Well, if you're listening, Dave... Give us an update. Yeah. Keith David is Alfonso, the Jamaican on in the movie. Uh, not David Keith. Not David Keith. Keith David made an uncredited appearance in 1979 film Disco Godfather. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, Keith David, David Keith. I always get those. They couldn't be more diametrically opposed as yeah. actors. Yeah. Because uh, uh, David Keith, he's just like a good old boy. He was in yeah. uh, uh, Officer and a Gentleman. Ended up hanging himself, I think, in that movie. Spoiler alert! Oh. But, uh, but yeah, I like I love both those actors, and I've always, always, always wanted to see Keith David and David Keith star in a movie <laughs> together, top billing, yeah, and just be starring the Keiths, Davids, the Keiths and the Davids. <laughs> yeah, he made a memorable appearance in John Carpenter's The Thing in 1982, his first speaking role in a film. Oh, and what a voice! I love his voice, and The Thing is my favorite yeah. horror movie of all time. And yeah. it is such, to me, a perfect movie. And the gross still holds up. Ugh. All of that uh, grossness. So gross. And I just love the fact. And this wouldn't be made today. They wouldn't be able to make it today. I don't think anybody in that movie was under 50, except for no. maybe uh, uh, the star. Uh, Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell. He was, he was definitely under 50. He was under 50, but everybody else was like, it was a bunch oh, of middle-aged men. Yeah. Over 50. It was just a bunch of middle-aged okay. dudes. You know, you had yeah. uh, 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 Wilford Brimley, and you had, yeah. uh, you know, all these old guys. It was just a movie with a bunch of old weirdos, and it was still the greatest movie ever. They were, this is the thing. They all looked older. You do realize that when Wilford Brimley did Cocoon, yeah. he was 51. Yeah, I know. I know. But they all look like they're in their 50s. I know. And some know. of them were old, olders, like they were. the doc and they stuff. Were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's not, regardless, your statement is true. Right. They still would not cast a movie like that now. No. They should. They should do it with, like, uh, Brian Cranston and, uh, God, yes. and uh, uh, Batman. What's his name? Uh Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, who just won an Emmy. Um, I was going to say, which Batman? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The <laughs> oldest one. Um, Adam West? No. Uh, he's he's, they'd have to dig him up for that. But, um, yeah. It's, I think it's, it's disappointing that the only way they do this now is that it has to be like The Expendables. Like, it's an action movie where yeah. everybody's old and beating up people. Which, granted, you think I would like that movie. Whatever. It's soulless. It's a soulless yeah piece of crap. In a total change of pace, the next year, David Keith, or sorry, not David Keith, Keith David, played Keith the Handyman on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for nine episodes. Awesome. Yeah, he's fantastic. Keith David also had a role in Oliver Stone's Platoon in 1986. So good. Uh, yeah, he, Platoon's a great movie. Um, since Hot Pursuit, he's appeared in a ton of movies and TV shows. Uh, my favorite role of his on They Live... Another John Carpenter movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, with a 14-minute fight sequence. <laughs> and don't forget, he was in the movie with our good friend Ben Stiller. There's something about Mary. How'd you get the Franks over the beans? <laughs> How'd you get the Franks over the beans? He's, he was such an amazing surprise in that movie <sighs> and so fantastic. He's fantastic in everything. I just, there's this, I, I, this is a speed bump, I know. But it's this Keith David speed bump, or David Keith. Is it David Keith? Keith David. Keith David. Jesus. So I've been trying to watch this stupid movie called Unplugging on Hulu. And it stars Eva Longoria and this guy from the state whose name I forget, but he's really funny. He's this bald guy. And every time I tried to click on it, it would take me to another movie. For days it would do this. Wow. And I gave up. So I tried again last night. I started watching this movie. 
and Keith David's in it. <laughs> nice. And he's hilarious. He plays this bar owner in this out uh, of middle of nowhere. I didn't finish the movie. I got a little bored. I'll probably finish it. But uh, but he, it's just so anytime. Like you said, yeah. anytime yeah. he pops up at a movie, it's pure joy. Yeah. Paul Bates was cast as Cleon. Uh, it's a small part. Uh, and the only reason I included it was because he's best known for his part in Coming to America. He's worked steadily since Hot Pursuit. Uh, currently can be seen in the video game Horizon Forbidden West. Ooh, who has? Uh, Hamda or something like that. Okay. I don't think that I've gotten to his character yet. Oh, my God. I started playing that. Yeah. Full disclosure. We'll, we'll talk about it on the Stepdad Show. Well, I'll look for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he's really recognizable because as soon as I saw him in Hot Pursuit, I was like, hey, it's the guy from Coming to America. Yeah, he still d- works consistently. He works a lot now. He's uh, great. I think he was in the sequel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Of Coming to America. Uh, coming to America 2. Coming to I think it was America. Coming to America. With <laughs> it's, those just, it's hard to describe the sequel <laughs> when you're on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so the movie made $4.2 million off a $4 million budget. Ooh, $200,000 profit. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a score of 0% based on reviews from five critics. All right. It's not a zero. <laughs> Mankiewicz actually said about the movie, Everyone came out fine from the film, especially Cusack and Ben Stiller, who went on to bigger and better things. Everybody was fine. Didn't ruin any careers. Yeah. Uh, This is the last film that Steven Lisberger would write and direct. He did direct Slipstream in 1989, starring... Mark Hamill, Bill Paxton, Bob Peck, Kitty Aldridge, Ben Kingsley, and F. Murray Abram. Do you remember this movie at all? Slipstream? Yes, I do. I remember... sci-fi movie. I remember it from working in a video store. I don't know if I watched it. I probably did because I watched everything back then. But I remember when that movie came in. I think this was the first sci-fi movie that Mark Hamill did after Return of the Jedi. Oh. um, Which was like like six years later. But that was the big thing because one of the producers on Slipstream had helped produce Empire and Jedi. Oh. And so they were like, hey, we're going to make this magic again. Unfortunately, the movie was a critical and commercial failure. Yeah. It wasn't very good. Uh, Lisberger has literally did not work then for almost 20 years, uh, at least nothing that he got credited for. Uh, He would produce and appear in Tron Legacy, and he's currently developing another Tron sequel. Do we need it? Tron Legacy was not a good movie. Let's be honest here. I mean, it's a sequel to not a great movie to begin with. Exactly. Do we need mediocre sequels to mediocre movies? I know that Tron has nostalgia. I got nostalgia for it. I mean, look, I loved it. It was a video game movie, and we all wanted to be inside a video game. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the black hole, man. It just was bad execution. It just wasn't a very entertaining film. There was a lot of movies back then, these big budget movies, and I'm looking at you, Disney. (laughs) that just were boring cash yeah. grabs. The black hole. I have like the action figures from the black hole. Yeah. But I didn't like the movie. I like the suits. I like the costumes. <laughs> and like, and they didn't come with guns, so I had to make guns for them. Yeah. That's how yeah. boring this movie, sci-fi wow. movie, is. They didn't have any guns. There was. I just remember there was two robots. There was this little floaty robot, and there was this big mean robot. And then they. Yeah. You got to watch it. We're gonna do a. We'll do a. We'll do a black movie. hole. We'll do a movie about episode. it. We'll do an episode about the black hole. Um. Please, no movie about the black hole. Yeah. Uh, Did you have figurines from, uh, or sorry, action figures from the last flight of Noah's Ark? Oh, yeah. I had the Ark. <laughs> two by two, baby. Animals Take it into the, the tub through. with you. And mm-hmm. do, I did. Pretend you're Ricky Schroeder. I always pretend like I was Ricky Schroeder. You still pretend Silver like you're Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, I get online and rant. So my main complaint with Hot Pursuit 
Uh, and that, that, that's it I have. That's all I have for the script. Uh, just that's talk enough. about this. We'll wrap it up. Um, my main complaint is that it felt like it was a movie put together by a guy who was trying to sell rights to the movie. Okay. Like, it just – it didn't quite work. Like, it was – it had odd some odd pacing, mm-hmm. and, like, it was – I enjoyed it, and definitely there were parts of it I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you know, it was fun. I mean, Jerry, Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller was great. Ben Stiller was creepy and scary. Was Jerry Stiller great, though? <laughs> he, I, mean, I mean, I love Jerry Stiller, but this was not one of I, Jerry Stiller's best performances. He definitely kind of stuck out. Like, his his performance was a little different. He phoned than it in. Yeah. He phoned okay, it okay. in, I think. I mean, it was a more I mean, mellow Jerry Stiller performance. I mean, it was still yeah, had elements yeah. of his Jerry Stiller-ish, but... But it was also, I mean, he didn't, I mean, I, granted, I don't know Jerry Stiller previous to Hot Pursuit. I don't, I mean, other than the one episode of the Paul Lynn show that I saw. Well, he was, I mean, but, he, that's who he was. He was just this great energy ball I, of, I, but, Right, okay, so he was always like that. Yeah. He was always like Especially that. with his wife. I mean, their whole shtick was like, the, the we hate each other. Screaming <laughs> yeah. at each other and it's yeah, funny. Yeah, so. but I mean, when they played, not when they did like their shows and stuff, not when they were playing yeah. themselves, but when they played a couple they were usually yeah. the couple that was not happy and the couple that was sniping at each other or the couple yeah. that was divorced or divorcing or because well, they were I, so good at it yeah and they, they they obviously had a very good relationship i did my one ben stiller story uh i was working on a pilot his wife christine was starring in and he called up to ask uh, in the production office where he could send flowers to his wife Aww. because he was so happy that she got this part and uh and he was so nice. He was such a nice guy. He took his daughter to the Emmys. Nice. Um, where he won. Yeah. He and won. she just gushed about how great he is. Um, yeah. I mean, so, but Hot Pursuit, I, I, I understand why Cusack did it. I understand. I, I, I think it was necessary for him. I think this is very much at the bottom of the list of Cusack movies that I would watch again. Mm, yeah. I would literally watch Serendipity again before Ooh. I would watch Hot Pursuit. See, that's just wrong. <laughs> at least there's fun and joy in, yeah. in, in Hot Pursuit. Look, I get it. I get it. There's, like I said, and we, we go over this ad nauseum, but things that you watch as kids don't, you, don't always translate yeah. to good films because right, right. there's a nostalgia to them. There's a, a certain period of time. There's a certain part of your development in your brain or whatever right. that clicks you onto that at that time. The reason why I think I like it, I have a soft spot for movies that are just freaking ridiculous. And like I said, this movie starting out at a prep school with a kid studying for his chemistry right. exam and ending up. You know, on a sailboat with his girlfriend and some crazy old crusty captain jumping off so they can do it for three days. <laughs> Jumps down the, in the middle of the ocean. All right, so kids, get, get your willy wet. And then, you know, but there's so much crazy stuff. Like him getting Shanghai'd. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. who Shanghai's in this century? It, I, it doesn't I know, make a lot of sense. I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's dumb and it's goofy. But the charm of Cusack, the absolute lovability of Keith David. Yeah. And... The perfection of Robert Loja yeah. Yeah. makes yeah. it watchable and fun. I mean, sure, tell me you sure. didn't have a little bit of fun watching this movie. Sure, I had a little bit of fun. But I think you would have a lot more fun if you watched it when you were 14. Yes, I agree. You know, agree. And, and you still had the desires and dreams of a young man <laughs> and, you know, weren't a bitter old man like yeah, me yeah. where all your dreams have dried up and died and you're just slowly waiting to pass away. All right. Well, thanks for listening. 
Anyway, watch it. Look, yeah, give it a watch. Uh, this is not the main issue. Is that it's not available on anything right now. Right, so it's tough to find. you'd have to go to the library or something and yeah. try to see if it's around. Yeah, um, it's it's tough to find. And look, don't spend days trying to find this no, movie because no. she'll just be mad at us. <laughs> Me mostly, not Adam. At least he warned you. You can email us at nxfilespodcast@gmail.com. <laughs> but seriously, it's if you're a Cusack fan, if you're a Loja fan, if you're a fan of like silly. Uh, you know, wish fulfillment. Yeah, you know, Ute movies. Yeah. You know, the guy trying to rescue his girlfriend. Being, you know, Cusack's being Cusack. Sure, sure. It's it's fine. It's is it up? Is it is it as good as the other movies? This no, month? No, 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 no. But it's not. It's watchable. Sure. And I will guarantee you. <laughs> and that is the highest compliment you can give a movie. <laughs> I it's guarantee watchable. you that people that saw it when it came out probably have a fondness for it. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't, it just doesn't quite have the same catch that these other movies we're covering this no, week has. No, because you're right. Because it, it was poorly put together, let's say. Yeah. I don't know if they knew exactly what they were doing. I don't know if the director knew exactly what he was doing. You know, yeah. this, this script did have some problems and... You know, it was pretty goofy, but yeah, whatever. I mean, there's if you like John Cusack, watch yeah. this movie. It's, it's definitely better it's, than Serendipity. I guarantee you, definitely worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. Try to find it. It'll be on TV at some point. It'll randomly show up on Pluto TV or something. Yeah. Ringing endorsement from your pals at the Gen <laughs> X Files. Uh, well, we'll be back next week with uh, we're closing out our Cusack oeuvre. With, uh, I think, the best of the bunch, which is One Crazy Summer. I am so excited. Uh, I love this movie. I found a out-of-print DVD copy of it. Nice. And that's the thing. These movies, get them on DVD. Yeah. Don't get them on Blu-ray. Don't get them on HD Blu-ray. Yeah. Watch them as they were intended. Scratchy. Hairs. Yeah. Wiggling on the frame. You know. Scratchy prints. Yeah. I just love that stuff. I love the... I hate watching old movies crisp and clean. It just yeah. seems perverse. So find this movie, or don't, uh, but be <laughs> sure to get yourself a copy of One Crazy Summer because we are going to blow it out, yeah. and then we're going to finish off the month with a little bit of the step day. Yeah. Have a good week. Very underrated movie. Uh, she, uh, uh, excuse me. I'm going to say this totally wrong. Shelley Fabray. Thank you. I knew I was going to say it wrong. The, the second lead. Okay. Oh, sorry. So go ahead and say that again. I didn't mean that. <laughs> he may, I think my statement's still true. <laughs> We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Charlie's Angels, already in progress.